This is the Signs of the Times Commentary. A look at the world from around our kitchen table. Today in the studio you're going to hear uh, two voices that you haven't heard before. We have two guests in, uh, both of them from New York, uh, Kay and Stuart. Nice to be here. Yes, it's good to be here. So they'll be talking to us on several topics and giving their opinion, uh, their their view from stateside, as it were, of the... Ground zero. Exactly. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. But our topic for today is, or our topics for today uh, involve the general idea of conspiracy theories and the problems that people have with believing uh, conspiracy theories or believing that they even exist or that such a concept uh, could actually be true uh, as regards our wonderful elected leaders. Well, in the news this week, there's been several stories about um, the fact that the, prior to 9-11, the American intelligence agencies had identified several of the 9-11 or the alleged 9-11 attackers or hijackers as, as threats. And so once more, we're going to be treated to the official storyline that 9-11 was simply a question of mistakes in the intelligence agencies, that they weren't on the ball, that they dropped the ball, all these wonderful sports metaphors that they always use. We have a special guest in the uh, studio today. She's a specialist in matters of conspiracy theories because she's doing this kind of stuff to mice every day, so we're going to let her take it over. So we plan experiments with mice, and they don't behave the way we want them to. So we try different techniques, from zapping them to shooting them up with drugs, get them real addicted so that they crave the drug and they go the extra mile to get their uh, fix. And would you say that this is a good metaphor for what's happening with the American public these days? Absolutely, and our fixes, sports and entertainment, and the ridiculous theory of uh, terrorists out to get us. Uh-huh. And so what is your take on this theory of terrorists out to get us? Well, we no different from the mice, filled with fear. And because you're afraid, you try to find ways to reduce the fear, go along with the experimenters' plans. Mm-hmm. Basically, behave the way they want you to. So it's like a threat of, essentially, of, of, of death? Uh, yeah. That are, that's being held over, over people's heads? And that exactly. This, this is used to make them conform to exactly. whatever the government wants them to conform to. Exactly. And occasionally you get a few yeah. who for some reason they're exceptional and they just don't conform. You can't kill them because then the other mice may get weird. Hmm. So you find different ways to break them too. You kill their friends. And you live in New York as I understand it and you were there on 9-11 and maybe you could Talk to us a bit about how New York is being used as a little laboratory for experiments. Oh, boy, is it a lab. I mean, you walk down the streets two days after September 11th, and all you hear is, we got to get those 
Get those Arabs. Treat them like roaches. And it was quite interesting to me when the scandal about the prisons in Iraq, you know, prisoner abuse started coming out, and I overheard conversations like, oh, we're too kind. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't just kill them. We shouldn't kill them at all. We should just torture them real well hmm. and broadcast the tortures. And it seems that the British actually took up that position with this guy that they shot in the subways. Mm -hmm. Only they made the mistake of killing him. They were supposed to only torture him just enough. See, they killed him in... Uh, now people are asking questions. Yeah, and if they torture him just a little bit, then eventually his story leaks out, and everybody is completely terrified. That does seem to be the case that in the in the whole kind of torturing of of prisoners, you know, that have been rendered, have been taken taken to um, Guantanamo Bay or by the U.S. military under the uh, under the auspices of the. Uh, the idea that, that that they are terrorists, that they're enemy combatants, and they're tortured, and all of these stories that have been released about uh, these stories of torture and, and the, the terrible things that have been done to these people, it's almost as if this um, these stories are being deliberately leaked as a way to subtly terrorize or send a signal to the uh, to the American people themselves that uh, you know they're but for the choice of your government go you type of thing you know because um, it's Certainly, it's it's no it's no secret. Uh, given that he he stated it publicly uh, that at the time uh, I think it's maybe three years ago, in about two thousand and two, that John Ashcroft uh, stated to a, I think it was one, to one of the investigation panels that um, anybody who gives solace or comfort or aid to the terrorists by uh, believing in any kind of conspiracy theories about uh, or essentially just questioning the official story of nine eleven. As presented by the government, if you if you're an American citizen and you question that story, then you are giving aid to the terrorists uh, because, according to John Ashcroft and the Bush administration, these 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 allegations are not true, and therefore, if you believe them, you're giving aid to the terrorists, and therefore, you are more or less more with or less a, ter a terrorist. You're not yeah. with us. You're a terrorist yourself, uh, which means that. And, and he stated quite explicitly at the end of this little explanation, he stated his his closing words were, "You will lose your liberty." And he was talking to American citizens. So, you know, this, it seems certainly that, um, as we have been saying for, for quite some time, the real war is is on uh, on freedoms and, and social freedoms and social liberties uh, in, in, in several countries around the world, but specifically and, and most importantly in, in the U.S., being that they are the, the instigators of this entire phony war on terror. Phony war and terror and the war against the American people. Yeah. I mean, because I think the most insidious war is when you think that you're not at war. Um, I think most Americans think that we're at war with people over there. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that their government is at war against them. And it will be quite shocking. Well... It is quite shocking for me, mm -hmm. seeing it happen, see the battle play out. Yeah, I mean, just on that on that point, there's a few um, there's a few uh, mainstream news articles that uh, 
from from about this time of the year in 2002, in the mid-summer of 2002. Um, one of them is from the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, June 22nd, 2002, and the title is Foundations Are in Place for Martial Law in the US. The, the, the first paragraph states recent pronouncements from the Bush administration and national security initiatives put in place in the Reagan era could see internment camps and martial law in the United States. And another article from the Los Angeles Times of August 14th, 2002, uh, entitled Camps for Citizens, Ashcroft's Hellish Vision. Attorney General shows himself as a menace to liberty. Ashcroft's plan disclosed last week, that's in 2002, but little publicised, would allow him to order the indefinite incarceration of US citizens and summarily strip them of their constitutional rights and access to the courts by declaring them enemy combatants. So again, in, in all of this, these are, these are again these are mainstream uh, news articles from three years ago that more than likely have been forgotten by most people, but they give a clear uh, indication of who the real terrorists are in terms of um, who really wants to take away Americans and who is taking away the civil rights of Americans. I mean, we have to remember that the entire war on terror uh, is pre- uh, the American war on terror is is based upon this idea that um, George Bush and the American military uh, are fighting against people who want to take away Americans' freedoms. And there is this long list of evidence that over the past three or four years, the American government has been taking away Americans' freedoms and liberties. So ask yourself, who are the real terrorists? And actually, you know, it's not just a, an American war on terror necessarily because, of course, we see the same thing happening in the U.K. And on Friday we had uh, an article on the Science page uh, about uh, China developing uh, or, or organizing a rapid response force to, to battle terrorism, supposedly, and uh, also they announced their intentions to pass uh, new anti-terror legislation in the near future. So, and of, of course the whole the whole deal was that they have to battle Islamic terrorism just like everyone else. And so there you have it. The global terror game. It's uh, not something that happens overnight. In fact, you, you talked about the article and camps for American citizens and enemy combatants. And uh, mm-hmm. there are American citizens already in Guantanamo Bay. You know, there's Padilla and yeah, one Padilla. or two others who are American citizens, and they essentially have no rights. You know, you take them away, lock them up, and do whatever under the guise of being an enemy combatant. So it's not something that, oh, it's in the, in the future it's something that's happening now. And I don't think the American people, or actually most people the world over, because you see it happening in other countries, um, as you've mentioned, Scott, people don't realize that it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Um, it's been a process. The Nazis didn't come to power overnight. That was a process. And you see the process... In New York, even, you know, every so often, you know, you get this police activity or you hear the announcement on the train, oh, we're delayed due to police activity, and you never know what that activity is, but you'll damn sure see loads of uniformed officers. Um, And it's sort of preparing the ground, you know, get us used to the idea 
of heavy police presence, heavy mm. military presence for our protection. Um, they're protecting us against ourselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, and Do they ever actually tell you, you know, do you ever see on the news, well, you know, this time they shut down the, you know, the subway or whatever because of this specific threat, or is it just sort of a general, you know, basically to terrify everyone? It's pretty much mostly general stuff. You never really know. And you can't hang around too long to ask, well, what's going on? It's move along, move along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Asking questions gets you on somebody's list. So in terms of the population or the people or the community that, that, that you live in in, in New York, um, are you aware of many people who question what is actually happening or or in terms of, you know, that they, that they, they certainly don't or, or show that they don't believe what they're being told by their elected or unelected officials? Well, where I live, they question. Yeah. The problem is you have people who feel so defeated already that questioning amounts to doing nothing. There's nothing you can do, so yeah. you just accept it. So I, I don't think it's whether or not they're questioning is where the, the questions are leading them. Yeah. And as it stands now, it's not taking them yeah. anywhere. I mean, that's, that's a very good... Uh, it's, it's, it's an important point uh, to, to, to make because imagine in the, the scenario that, um, that 100% of, of, of Americans uh, suddenly all woke up or were given information or given evidence that uh, the government was behind 9/11, the 9-11 attacks. What would they do? I mean, what could they do, really? What would people do? I mean, that's, it's, 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 a, it's a very important question because there's all this talk about, you know, trying to get this um, you know, evidence or trying to get, make the public aware or, or to have uh, these, this proof that, that, that is out there uh, displayed in the, in, the, in the mainstream press and offered to the American people. But in that situation, what would people do? I actually could not tell you yeah, because the way it stands now, even if, if every single person is aware, when you look at how the Supreme Court's being manipulated, actually the Supreme Court did exactly what the government wanted anyway by appointing our wonderful president. But when you look at all the branches of government being manipulated, um, if people find out what's going on, I mean – what do you do? You, you force Congress to change the laws or you, you force them to bring down indictments and throw the president out? I mean, that's not going to solve the issue. Mm. And I honestly don't know at this point. Yeah, because it actually ties into a slightly different or a parallel topic, which is um, it's, it's a question that um, has been put to us quite often uh, in the past by, uh, let's say, 9-11 conspiracy skeptics. That um, that the way that we uh, and a lot of other 9/11 researchers present uh, the case for a 9/11 conspiracy to certain people is just completely unrealistic because they claim that there is simply no way that uh, that kind of organization or the organization that would be required to carry out an ins- 9/11 as an inside job uh, just doesn't exist in in, this, in the various uh, agencies within the U.S. government and. Uh, the judicial system and all the different uh, arms of government that that 
that would have needed to been to have been in on the on the conspiracy that that um that there isn't the the coherency between them all that 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 something would have got out that something would have leaked that they they wouldn't have been able to get away with carrying out nine eleven to which we respond generally that number one they didn't get away with nine eleven they carried out nine eleven but they didn't get away with it because um it certainly seems from our research that that there are a, a significant percentage of Americans who do to some degree doubt. The, the the official story of 9-11 that they to some degree believe that their government knew something at the very least or was maybe even complicit in the 9-11 attacks and that's not surprising because there is an overwhelming amount of evidence to suggest that at least to suggest it the second point that we that we make to such a uh, an allegation is that 9-11 was almost certainly planned or the planning for 9-11 occurred or began, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, even ten years before 2001, that that the first um, procedures and um, pieces of of, of the plan were put into place and put into operation way back. So you're talking about, um, you know, front companies being set up that are actually real companies, but companies that ultimately have their purpose in in facilitating the the 9-11 attacks. Um, You have many... uh, these many years to um, for 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 the core conspirators, let's say to to take into account the possibility of leaks, yeah, and and, and use it to their advantage, and to bribe or manipulate or mm-hmm. get certain people, key people into certain positions, or get them on their side. Uh, so they had a long time to they had as much time as they figured they needed to 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 carry this out. Um, in the criminals, they don't all have to be competent. You just have a group of people who have a particular goal. You know, they could be at each other's throats regarding everything else, but if this gets them what they want, they'll cooperate enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what's in it for me kind of a exactly. thing. And that's a fundamental characteristic of human nature. Mm-hmm. You get people working together to accomplish things, and they do it in secret. And as Richard Dolan points out in his book, UFOs in the National Security State, this is a fact of life. And speaking of uh, Richard Dolan's book, UFOs in the National Security State, uh, Joe had mentioned that many people think that it would be very difficult for all these conspirators to work together because, of course, they're in many different agencies and, well, how would this happen? An even more fundamental complaint, if you will, that people have is that a conspiracy of the magnitude uh, required for 9-11 isn't something that that could necessarily be kept secret. And this is something that that Richard Dolan talks about in his book. And we should probably note that many of you perhaps are not interested in in the UFO phenomenon, and so the, the title UFOs in the National Security State might put you off a little bit. Um... The interesting thing about Richard Dolan's book is not only is it extraordinarily well-researched, but especially if you have the first edition of the book, uh, which you can get on Amazon and also at uh, keyholepublishing.com, in the first edition of his book, uh, he included a lot more material uh, regarding sort of uh, secret operations, and and, uh, there's a great deal, you know, I mean, as the title implies, the national security state. He he covers a lot of data about 
various conspiracies and other projects that aren't necessarily related to UFOs, but that uh, illustrate the the secrecy within the national security state, as he puts it, the secrecy within the U.S. government. And to that effect, he writes, the very label conspiracy serves as an automatic dismissal, as though no one ever acts in secret. Let's bring some perspective and common sense to this issue. And he, he goes on to describe that the United States is composed of a number of organizations, corporations, bureaucracies, interest groups, and that sort of thing, which are conspiratorial by nature. They're hierarchical. Uh, all the important decisions are made by a handful of powerful people, and those decisions are made in secret. I mean, if you think of the most simple example would be psychopathic corporations. Uh, they're run by a, a board of directors, often board of direct, you know, the, the board of directors, the people on the board of directors of, of one company will be on uh, multiple other companies, which perhaps there are some conflicts of interest there. Of course, officially that's not supposed to happen, but as as we've seen and, and sometimes illustrated on the science page, that's not quite the case, especially in the uh, the arms industry. And he also writes, within the world's military and intelligence apparatuses, this tendency is magnified to the greatest extreme. During the 1940s, the military and his scientists developed the world's most awesome weapons in complete secrecy. And he goes on to discuss the Manhattan Project. Now, for those people who think that a conspiracy that would require massive organization, massive amounts of money, and total and total and complete secrecy, if, for those people who think that that's not possible, all you have to do is research the Manhattan Project, because here was a project to develop the nuclear bomb, of course, and uh, over $2 billion was spent on it. And for over two years, not a single member of Congress even knew about it. Obviously, it is possible to hide something. And furthermore, the Manhattan Project was something that occurred 50 years ago. So obviously, if they could pull this off 50 years ago, now with with the the technology available and the the control available, because you know you, you think that well, information propagates more rapidly, and you have the internet. Well, at, at the same time that these technologies are being developed, uh, means of of controlling not just the technologies like the internet uh, themselves, but also the human population have been uh, greatly advanced. Yeah, so the ability to, to to control populations today and control the information that gets out to the population today is arguably much, much greater than it was 50 years ago when they were able to do it as well. Even look at the Energy Commission that Dick Cheney was chairing back at the beginning of the Bush administration. Uh, the whole thing was done in secret. Everybody knows it was done in secret, and nobody knows who participated, or what was discussed. And this was something on setting national energy policy for the entire United States. And, and, and then people say, well, you know, I, I work in the Pentagon and the organization simply isn't there. The, you know, no one in the Pentagon could be involved. Well, Dolan also writes, during and after the Second World War, other important projects, such as the development of biological weapons, the importation of Nazi scientists, i.e. Operation Paperclip, Terminal mind control experiments, which Dolan discusses to a large extent in his books, and the information is, uh, again, very well researched and thoroughly fascinating. Also horrible, but fascinating. Uh, nationwide interception of mail and cable transmissions, 
infiltration of the media, universities, secret coups, secret wars, assassinations, and all of this took place far removed not only from the American public, but again from most members of Congress. So you have a handful of people who knew. And furthermore, you know, talking about the Pentagon and, and the, the, the defense industry and how it's it's not organized uh, or, or perhaps capable, um, Dolan notes that since the 1940s, the U.S. defense and intelligence establishment has had more money at its disposal than most nations. So basically what we're saying here is that, first off, conspiracies are part of human nature. If there were no conspiracies, knowing human nature as we know it, if there were no conspiracies, we would have to ask, why are there no conspiracies? What's wrong here? Obviously, people, being as they are, being human beings, should be conspiring. There's something wrong. We're on the wrong planet or something, right? So, obviously, the idea that a few people might get together and decide to, you know, increase their own personal wealth or power and do it in secret and not tell anybody is hardly a remarkable or amazing concept for people to grasp. I mean, conspiracy is, is a natural part, I mean, right or wrong, is a, is a natural part of, of human existence. I mean, anytime you have a hierarchy, that implies there's a boss somewhere, and that means that certain people have control over certain other people. And obviously, all the decisions that the higher-ups will make are not going to be made publicly, because if the whole point of the hierarchy is control, then some of those decisions will necessarily be secret. So, you know, to all these people who say, well, do you really think there could be a conspiracy that's that huge? You know, that that uh, belies a certain ignorance of of the the, the historical data and the facts. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the only thing that would limit uh, the U.S. government being involved in, uh, or any government being invo- involved in a, in a conspiracy of the magnitude of 9-11, for example, would be the level of their power and control and influence. And as Scott has just detailed, giving uh, examples from Richard Dolan's book, uh, the U.S. government uh, certainly has more than enough uh, money, control, and power to carry out um, a conspiracy of the magnitude of 9-11. Not only that, but uh, just uh, as a way to maybe seal the, the, the case and close the case on this, uh, we can look at several... Um, Precedents, historical precedents, where the U.S. government has indeed um, carried out attacks against its own people, because this is one of the problems, or it's one of the later problems that people run up against when they try to get their head around the idea that 9/11 was an inside job. They, while we may be able to convince them that a conspiracy exists and that b the U.S. government and perhaps other governments uh, in, in league with other governments uh, were were capable of carrying out 9-11, they then balk at the idea that the U.S. government would, would kill its own citizens, would murder its own citizens for whatever, for some political goal or, or, or personal goal. Um, but on that point, uh, again, as, as I've said, we, we just look back to historical precedents and events in in the last 100 years that show that the U.S. government or previous U.S. governments have done that and have not hesitated to sacrifice the lives of U.S. citizens to further their own agenda. There's something about the very term conspiracy theory, just to make this point, is that it seems to be a dirty word in the minds of many people. Um, There is an almost inherent subtextual meaning behind conspiracy theory 
that allows for many people to dismiss the possibility, the very possibility that things are, uh, plans are created in secret. Uh, so somewhere along the road, at some point through our media, uh, through our textbooks, through what we've been taught, um, we have been taught to, just like the term little green men, uh, think of conspiracy theory, quote-unquote, in a certain way. And uh, that's, I mean, if you think about it, the idea of uh, being accused of being a conspiracy theorist, I mean, that that elicits a certain emotional reaction, uh, a very powerful emotional reaction from people. And it's 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 even more powerful than, than even like racial and ethnic, ethnic slurs. So just to give some examples of the historical precedents where the American government was very willing and uh, eager, in, in fact, to sacrifice the lives of American citizens um, to further some agenda. In 1898, you had uh, a very brief Spanish-American war, um, which was started essentially by the blowing up of uh, a U.S. ship, USS Maine, um, which was blamed on Spain. The result of this attack on the Maine was that um, the U.S. military at, at the time invaded uh, Cuba, among uh, among other islands or territories off the coast of the U.S. that belonged to Spain, and basically took them as part of as part of U.S. territory. Um, it came out then in in later years that basically this had been an entire the, the entire war and the entire rationale for the war and the reasoning for the war had been completely faked. Uh, at the time, as we said, the main was uh, when it was blown up and with the death of of, of many uh, U.S. sailors, this was blamed on Spain. But as it turned out, it was the American government itself that had uh, planted a bomb and blown up an American ship to simply justify. Uh, their desire to to take this territory from Spain, so they could w- they could declare war, that they could declare that they had been attacked by Spain, and um, and wage war. Now that's a concept and an idea and an example that should be ringing some alarm bells, or at least uh, registering a note of recognition in a lot of people when they hear that, um, because it bears striking similarities to uh, what we allege happened on 9-11. Uh, 9-11 was an, uh, an attack on the, Amer- on the American people or on the American government, uh, on both, um, and the result was that the US government and the US military used it as justification to wage war and to, to take possession of other countries around the world. Control Give. more resources, control more people. That's what it comes down to, which uh, I think brings us back to this whole terror thing and... Um, there's been all sorts of speculations as to why we're fighting this war on terror. A popular one is the idea about oil, which may be part of it, but I think it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, you can see the buildup towards Iran as well. And you also have to wonder, what are they planning now? Because obviously they really, really want to go to Iran. Um, probably if they're not already there secretly and um all the everything's being put in motion towards that but i don't think the american people will be so quick to agree so you have to wonder what will be the next event born out of this vast conspiracy to um 
get us in there, which is why it's important to think about conspiracy theories. One idea that that people, especially in the United States, need to to understand is that their leaders essentially have nothing but contempt for for the ordinary American. And this has been shown throughout the, the 20th century by, by their actions. Uh, we've talked before about some of the, the tests that were carried out in American cities following the Second World War. And on our, our cosmic COINTEL timeline, we have references for a number of them. We've pulled some of them out for today to, to underline what we're talking about. In 1950, there were six experimental biological warfare attacks by the U.S. Army from a ship along uh, San Francisco Bay. And the ship was just uh, steaming around the bay, uh, dumping toxins into the air, and the objective of the exercise was to study the offensive possibilities of attacking a seaport city with a biological warfare aerosol from offshore. And then monitoring devices were situated throughout the city in order to test the extent of the infection. And by September 29th, uh, patients at Stanford University's hospital in San Francisco were found to be infected by some of these toxins. And this type of infection had never before been reported at the hospital. Eleven of the patients became infected and one died. Are you saying that the U.S. government in the past has carried out a biological attack on its own people? Yes. In fact, they've carried out several of them. In, the ni- in 1951, they carried out a number of, or they began testing in open air, uh, and these tests continued right through 1969. Uh, in 1953, the U.S. military released clouds of zinc cadmium sulfide gas over Winnipeg, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Fort Wayne, uh, Maryland, and in Virginia. And they also continued to spray American cities with other biological agents. Interesting, though, we see that uh, they concentrated on the black sections of some of these cities, such as St. Louis. And then they arranged for the local police surveillance to minimize the possibility of loss of equipment. So the fact that that the leaders of the the U.S. would be conducting these kind of experiments on their own citizens shows that for them it means nothing that these are Americans. These are just guinea pigs, and they're not patriots, and they don't care at all for the United States. All they care about is their own power. Uh, There was also, uh, again, on our timeline, there was a a project done in 1945 uh, related to the Manhattan Project, and in that one... Uh, one to ten micrograms of plutonium were injected into a human being uh, without his knowledge. That occurred on April 10th, 1945. And uh, the results of that little experiment were sent back to Los Alamos for analysis. And so you can you can kind of see why they wanted to keep at least certain aspects of the Manhattan Project secret. And, uh, you know, in 1965, they... Uh, prisoners at the Holmes, Holmesburg State Prison in Philadelphia were subjected to dioxin, the uh, toxic chemical component of Agent Orange, and later they were studied uh, for the development of cancer, which pretty much indicates that Agent Orange was 
a suspected carcinogen all along. And then we have the story of the prisoners who were used to test the effects of radiation uh, during the detonation of uh, a nuclear device. So you have, I mean, you know, it's biological agents, radioactive tests. In, in 1949, the Army sprayed 239 cities with bacteria and pathogens as part of, uh, again, secret testing of biological weapons. And so we can certainly conclude from all this that quite a number of Americans uh, became very ill and certainly died. Yes, they're all really good examples of just how much uh, or how little the successive U.S. governments over the years have really thought of the lives and how much, how little they valued the lives of of their own citizens. Um, but in terms of nine eleven and and the clear uh, evidence for there being a government conspiracy and the reasons for that conspiracy, uh, i.e., what has happened after nine eleven, um, there's a very striking um, historical precedent in the events of, of Pearl Harbor during during World War II, uh, where it is now accepted historical fact that um, Roosevelt, President Roosevelt or his administration at the time uh, were well aware of the fact that the Japanese were going to attack uh, the fleet, uh, the American fleet in Pearl Harbor, and in, in fact that they had actually provoked and enticed the Japanese to attack um, they had basically set it up for them to come and attack um, the fleet, the U.S. fleet in Pearl Harbor, and on that day the death toll was 2,400 or 2,400 American sailors, all innocent American sailors, uh, which isn't that far off. You know, it's just maybe five, six hundred people less than the than the number of people that uh, were murdered on 9/11. So. For people to have a problem with this idea that their that that their that their government would sacrifice um, their own citizens um, or its own citizens to to further their own goals is really um, first of all it's completely unfounded because you know I mean there is there is historical evidence and it's really it's it's not facing reality I mean you you just have to look at human nature and look at uh, what happens to people. Human beings, when they are, uh, when when they when they gather so much power and control to themselves, first of all, they become extremely subjective. They 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 they're sitting above everybody. They think they're better than everybody. That they can that they can do as they like, essentially. That they're untouchable, and 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 as they go through that process of 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 they're they're removing themselves from the ordinary person, and the ordinary person becomes less and less valuable, and less and less significant to them, to a point where really they're just like ants. You know, they're as um, they're as insignificant as as bugs to. Uh, to these people, so and when uh, they're sitting at the top of their skyscrapers, that's what the people look like. You know, when they're looking out over exactly. over and the that city, confirm their suspicions. You know, their beliefs. They say, "See, we're right. They are ants. Squish them." So this kind of ties into one of the questions that we get most often about um, about our analysis and our reporting uh, and the, the the books that we've. Uh, or the articles that we've published on on 9/11, um, as our listeners will be aware, we produced the Pentagon strike flash presentation, which uh, has been seen by hundreds of millions of people around the world at this stage. And naturally, we we, we received a lot of uh, correspondence, a lot of feedback on that, and a lot of it was quite negative in a way because of the nature of the the presentation itself, the content. Because clearly, if we put forth the idea, as other people are. Uh, doing also, if we put forth the idea that Flight 77 did not hit the Pentagon, then the immediate question that people 
seem to think that we should answer is, well, what happened to it? And it's almost like they ask this question, uh, you know, in, in a way that they're defying us to suggest what is completely obvious uh, and even more so, uh, more obvious now, given what we've just talked about, that if Flight 77 did not hit the Pentagon, which it almost certainly did not because of the evidence that there was no large 757 airliner or the wreckage of, of, of an airliner like that at the Pentagon or, or that impacted the Pentagon, then something else obviously hit the Pentagon. It was not Flight 77. So what happened to Flight 77? And we're talking about this in terms of a, a large conspiracy where before uh, Flight 77 didn't hit the Pentagon, uh, the US government had already essentially executed or sacrificed the lives of 2,000 people. So why would people suddenly... We, we, we find it difficult to understand why people have a problem with the fact or coming to the conclusion, the very obvious conclusion, that the US government simply diverted Flight 77 to uh, uh, some military airbase somewhere and disposed of the people and the plane. And uh, actually related to the Pentagon strike uh, earlier this week... There was uh, uh, an article about someone in the U.S. military who stepped forward and said that, no, it wasn't a 757 that hit the Pentagon. It was some sort of missile, perhaps with a depleted uranium warhead. They found uh, He claims they found traces of um, radioactivity at the Pentagon crash site. And so this would tend to support the theory, of course, that uh, the theory presented in the Pentagon strike flash that it was not a 757. It would also go right in line with the slip-ups of uh, Rumsfeld when, on several occasions, indeed, he used the word missile when describing uh, what happened. Exactly, he made a little slip-up uh, on at least on at least one occasion when describing uh, the events of 9/11. He said, "And the missile that hit this building," and he was speaking from the Pentagon, and he said, "The missile that hit this building," and you can look at that on our science page uh, that corresponds to this uh, this week's podcast. And he also slipped up another time when he talked about Flight 93 being shot down. Being in New York, I remember when it when events were transpiring, and the first thing I heard was that a plane in Pennsylvania was shot down. And later on, it was shocking to me to hear a completely different story of what happened. That's the trouble. You've got a memory. <laughs> you can remember those things. So many people don't. And just to add a little bit to this. What's important, I think, to understand is that all of this information comes of asking many questions. Uh, no single fact alone is a smoking gun that leads us to think that it was anything other than a plane that hit the Pentagon. It's the accumulation of things, uh, the lawn being perfect after the strike, Rumsfeld's various statements, the size of the hole inside of the Pentagon, not being consistent with the size of a commercial airliner. Yeah, 16 feet. <laughs> kind of small. Not to mention the fact that the airplane chose, I'm sure people are aware of, it, of all of these details, that, the, that the, the crazy, those crazy Islamic hijackers decided that they would uh, hit the part of the Pentagon that was... Uh, under renovation, so it was the least occupied and was actually had been fortified to make sure that uh, you know anything that hit it would not do as much damage now you know I mean those guys are either extremely stupid or they're working for the u s government people 
Not to mention the fact that none of the anti-aircraft guns on the Pentagon went off. Exactly. That was very bizarre. Wasn't that... I, I mean, th- it's I set up so. there, and it's the last line of defense, and there were, strangely, there were no U.S. military aircraft had been scrambled to intercept this wayward uh, plane that had been meandering around with no communication for over an hour, and it's heading straight towards the Pentagon, and nobody's nobody's got to it. The, you know, it's just been it's it, it, it's it's just been a big uh, disaster. Everything failed. It didn't intelligence work. Intelligence failure. A big intelligence failure. But thankfully, defense. but thankfully, the last line of defense would have got it right. I mean, the, the missiles on top of the Pentagon would have spotted it at a couple of miles out and knocked it out of the sky. But nothing happened. They had an intelligence failure as well. The missiles on top of the Pentagon, they had an intelligence failure. They weren't communicating with each other correctly. And and we see the same thing going on in London with the shooting of Jean-Charles de Menezes, where all of a sudden none of the closed-circuit televisions, or most of them weren't working, and this is two weeks after the supposed major attack. Uh, just intelligence failures. Yeah. It's interesting that those cameras weren't working then, but they were working quite well to spot the bombers from the 7th. Clearly, clearly what's going on is that it's not so much an intelligence failure. Well, I mean, when they say intelligence failure, they're being honest. They're just, it's just they're hoping that there's an intelligence failure on the part of the public where they will actually believe such blatant and obvious lies. And it's amazing how blatant and obvious these lies are getting. It's astonishing. The bigger the lie. The bigger the lie, indeed, as said by um, Adolf Hitler himself in his book Mein Kampf, uh, when he uh, mused on the nature of lying and how easy it is to really convince people of something when it's not actually true. Um... All of this that we're talking about will be on our science page, so check it out. You know, what it comes down to is the biggest conspiracy of all is that the majority of the population refuse to believe that conspiracy theories exist. Or that's exactly what our governments want us to believe. Will you believe them? Or will you find out for yourself? The hard way. Facing into facts, people. That's what it's about. Look at history, read history, do your own research, and find out for yourselves. Do not believe propaganda. It has caused untold suffering for the human race up to this point in history. Believing lies, believing liars, it's not the way to go. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. If you'd like to read all the articles covering topics we discussed today you can find them at signs-of-the-times.org and we'll see you next week thanks for joining us